Hello, everybody. Welcome back for another edition of Out of Bounce. As always, I'm your host, Spencer Brown. And joining us back this week is Dalton Bishop. Yes. Oh, good to have you back. And we also have Christian Ernst. What is going on? Should be a very fun episode here. Let's just dive right into it. Christian, I'll throw to you first, actually. I'll let you start the show off with the NBA Finals and how that's going since your Miami Heat are in the finals this year. So, Chris, take it away, buddy. Well, the NBA Finals did start this past Thursday, and it was going to be, in my opinion, not a fun – it wasn't going to be a fun series. I was going in thinking that the Denver Nuggets were going to kind of easily just beat us, win in about four to five, and kind of take over as the NBA dominant, uh, dominant team in the NBA currently. And then, of course, be the NBA champion. So Thursday, I was kind of correct. Denver Nuggets at Denver, game one. Denver won 104 to 93. This game, like, we could not hit a daggum thing. We shot 40% altogether and 33% from the uh, three-point line. But also, if you looked at the if you looked at the free throw statistics, which kind of show like, okay, how many times did you go up to the line? We went up to the line once. Once. That's it. We were two for Dagum two. You, there's no way that – and I'm not saying Denver didn't play a great game defensively, but in today's NBA, you breathe on a guy, it's a foul. You touch the guy's tippy-toe, it's a foul. Sometimes you can bring a shotgun and, you know, you can do whatever you want, beat somebody up, and you'll get away with it. But NBA is very up and down in terms of how fouls are called. And Miami was not called – they really weren't called any shooting fouls the entire night. And the fact they only lost by 11 points, if the um, – if there were more whistles calm, there could have been a much closer game. It would have been a lot better game. But Denver for sure handled their business first game at home. And I kind of went, okay, we're not going to do a daggum thing. So, I mean, Miami, Bam was actually the top player for us for however reason because Max Struss was 0 for 10 in the entire game. Uh, Martin was 1 for 7. Jimmy was 6 of 14. Of course, Duncan couldn't shoot Jack. He was 1 of 6 and had 3 points the entire night. I mean, when one of when the top three leading scorer is Hayward Highsmith, who has been very kind of, I mean, he's been a bench warmer for most of the season, and he got 23 minutes of playing time, you know, due to some injuries and decisions that, you know, that Spolstra did not want to play a lot of our guys. He got some playing time, and he played all right for the most part. And, of course, Denver, I mean, you can't be shocked that, Aaron Gordon just dunked and was great on the entire night, 7 of 10. You have Jokic, who was 8 of 12 for 27 points. And Jamal Murray also had 26 points. But, you know, he was out, he was 2 for 7 from three-point line. So, really, he was just, you know, close in the mid-range and dominant there. So, the first game, I'm thinking, okay, we're not going – if we win a game, it is going to be in Miami. So, I'm not really going to worry – at, like, I'm not going to be super depressed if Miami doesn't get the dub here uh, on Sunday night. So I actually started off watching the game, and I was like, okay, let's see what we can do. We start off on a 10-2 run. 
And I'm, I'm kind of sitting like, okay, this is different. But, Spencer, you did text like, oh, wow, you guys are – this is the Miami Heat we're all used to seeing. And I told Spencer, I have an itch in the back of my head saying this isn't going to go well or, like, this is going to be uh, out of control in a little bit later. So, close to the end of the quarter, 26 to 23, I'm like, okay, it's not going to end up our way, but let's let's just see what happens. Can we keep this close? Then – Denver just goes on a giant, like, I think it was like 24 to something run, where pretty much they had a 15-point lead over us, uh, close to the end of the second quarter, and I'm like, okay, this is more like it. So, I kind of turn off the TV, I go and I watch my own stuff, and I constantly look at ESPN, okay, you know, kind of a 10-point lead, all right, Miami could be coming back, but they're probably not, so I'm just going to put it away. So, I get this ESPN notification. Turn on the game now. This is what ESPN puts out. Turn on the my, turn on the finals game now. And I'm like, all right, what's going on? So, Miami is up 111 to 108. And I'm like, oh, gosh. <laughs> like, what the heck's going on? And they had an explosive fourth quarter. And they held on to their lead and won game two. And thought of me was, okay, we took one in Denver. That's huge. But the other part of me is, don't be super hyped up about it. Just because Denver is a very, very good team. They're a great defensive team. And they've done well in game two. You know, of course, everyone talked about the Jamal Murray, Jamal Murray missed three-pointer right before halftime. And that could have screwed them up. But Jokic still had 41 points. Jamal Murray still shot fine, you know, 7 to 15 with 18 points. Now, obviously, Michael Porter Jr. couldn't do anything. Aaron Gordon's kind of limited, just, you know, he's kind of inside the paint kind of guy. And their bench, they only had three players come off the bench. So it's really just their starters. Where Miami, you know, you have Jimmy Butler going off, you have Gabriel Vincent doing a lot better. You know, he didn't play much in game one, he was out of game one. But he was 8 of 12 for 23 points. And then Max Struss shot better. He was still 4 for 10 in all of them three-pointers. Dude, you got to calm that down a little bit. And then Bam Bam obviously did well. And they they had more guys coming off the bench to help Miami secure this victory. So how I see this is, okay, Miami has more depth and can be fine with, you know, not the main starters taking over. Where Denver, it's... It's these five, and we may throw in a guy or two to give our starters rest, but it's really going to be our five who are going to win it, which for some teams has really worked out. Other teams, it hasn't in the past. But Denver um, shockingly fell in Denver on ga- in, in game two. So I'm kind of in all where Miami is winning this day. I'm ga- is not winning the series. Uh, they won the game, and they've tied the series. And Wednesday night when they play at home, I'm probably going to be a lot more intrigued of like, okay, if we take game three, then this is going to be a series that could go six to seven, which would be amazing. This is a series that everybody's talking about besides ESPN because, hey, Boston Lakers are still conversation. But these two teams rightfully deserve to be in this moment. They're both 
talented in their own ways. Defensively, you know, defensively Miami and maybe just a slight ahead better, just maybe a slight edge better. But when shoot, when Miami can shoot the lights out like they have been in the past couple series, then it can be a different story. So Miami going back home, you know, in a, an exciting crowd that's ready for Denver to come in. They're going to be electric. So Denver has a tall task to shut this team down, you know, away. So I'm going to be interested to see how this plays out. But right now I'm kind of um, optimistic that Miami could possibly pull something off. But I wouldn't be shocked if, you know, three games Denver wins and I'm like, oh, poo, you know. So I'm happy for how how the series has gone so far. Um, you know, to me, yes, Denver had control over most of game one, but still 11 points is not that bad. We lost by 11 against one, you know, a team that I thought was much better ahead of the water, especially when, uh, Jokic is pulling up numbers and you never expect Jokic to a guy like Jokic can do. So I'm surprised we were still in game one, kind of. In game two, obviously, we took it home or took away. So, I'm I'm shocked, but I hope I'm hopeful that Miami can pull something off in the later games this year. Yeah, it, it's gonna be fast happens there because I mean, you still a game on the road. It, it gets exciting for Miami. They come back, they go home, and Denver is at home all postseason until game two of the series. So, um. A little surprised with how the game went. Like you said, Miami off to a hot start. Then Denver, a 40-15 to 15 run to take a huge lead. Um, but in the fourth quarter, it's like Miami just does not quit. Like, that's the whole mantra of Jimmy Butler and companies. They don't quit. And, like, they end up building a big lead in the fourth quarter. Uh, and that's what Miami's at all postseason. Like, they will fluster teams like Milwaukee, New York, Boston, teams that you know, on paper, look a lot better. Uh, but is a great coach, and, you know, they just played their style, you know, heat culture. We, You know, people have joked about it for years. You know, they've scoffed at it for a while, but it's it's real. As you just flush your teams, you speed them up a bit, and you get the ball, and you're scoring on the other end. And, again, game three, it's going to come down, because Miami, until Lester extent than, like, Boston was, where it's live by the three, die by the three, because uh, that's not the entire Miami offense. But, you know, when guys like Struess, like Vincent, uh, and Martin, when they're hitting threes, you know, then Miami has a great chance of winning. If they're not hitting, if they're cold like they were in game one, then it's not going to be great there. Uh, it was interesting from my perspective. Kevin Love, DNP, game one, like for the third straight game, he did not play. And then they gave him the starting game, too. It, like, I don't know what Spo was doing, but... You know, it worked in his favor there um, to, you know, start Kevin Love. You know, he only got 22 minutes and was not very much of a factor on the offensive end. He did get, you know, double-digit boards. And, you know, I mean, they just like, I guess, starting. And I don't imagine Spo changes that just because they, you know, it got a win. You got what you wanted out of it, I guess. Um, but, yeah, it's been a fun series. Uh, I do think Denver is going to bounce back in game three. And even though they're on the road, they're because Miami's. It doesn't seem like Miami's the team that has like the most invested fans. They obviously, you know, get joked about for 
like during the LeBron years, they all left early. And then, you know, obviously the Ray Allen shot, a lot of them had left the arena. But again, I think it'll be a great crowd, but I don't think Denver's going to be phased one bit. Like they won 53 games. They were the ones seen out West for a reason. And, you know, before this, before game two, they hadn't lost to Miami since the bubble. So we'll see how that goes. Dalton, anything you want to add on the NBA finals so far? No, not really. I think pretty well. Um, I think, and I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna try to reiterate anything that you all have said. Um, but I am the only one that picked. Well, no, Christian picked the Heat in seven, uh, if I recall. Um, I, I think there's. There's a reason I didn't pick the Nuggets, and I feel like, I feel like the Heat, you know, game one they were coming off little little rest. You know, what I mean, that's, you know, they they just played a game seven in Boston, and, um, you know, it was uh, I think you know Denver was definitely definitely more rested for for game one uh, than Miami was, and it and it, I feel like I feel like it showed. Um, and then game two seemed more like on an even rest day, um, sort of like rest, uh, days, I guess. Um, and, you know, I think we should, we should have known guys going into game two that the heat, were going to find a way to be better defensively. Um, I think I think it showed, you know, they and not to mention they were also able to actually put up points in game two. Um I'm kind of expecting that same thing to happen. Um we saw with the Milwaukee series. Um they just took care of the Bucks like nobody's business. And the Bucks the Bucks won fifty games if I'm not mistaken. They were the best they were the best team in the Eastern Conference. Uh, by seeding, and literally people had them in the finals. Um, so I think I think I think the Heat are just going to continue to ride this momentum. Um, if you're Denver, you kind of wish that you would want it, you would you would be able to go back to Miami with a two zero lead. Um, but I think Denver needs this. They need to they need to take one in Miami. Specific, I mean, potentially game three specifically. Um, if they don't, they could be in trouble. Um, I don't believe that, you know, Denver's probably, I guess, as Denver's long, like they have, they have like a lot of height, right? But I don't think that Denver is as talented as Boston is. And Boston, with Boston, it was kind of tough because they could beat you different ways and they're, they had plenty of bigs that could stretch it, right? With Denver, it's kind of like Jokic can stretch and that's it. Like that's like the only big that they have that can really shoot it. And he doesn't even shoot threes that much. So when you're looking at it, you kind of just got to be like, uh, defensively, we can play. We can else down. I mean, Michael Porter Jr. had a terrific game one. 
In game two, I didn't even re- I didn't even realize he played until I looked at that, until I saw the box score. That's I mean defensively, my uh, defensively Miami came to play, and that's kind of what you want to see. Um, you know, I I noticed that you know they were they were they're just extremely disciplined, and that is something that is unheard of in today's NBA because all people care about is scoring, and naturally that's you know all people vote for when it comes to the regular season awards. Um, so I think you know the Miami Heat uh, being put on this big stage like this is 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 good for the league. Uh, and we're we're seeing if you're watching it closely and just not watching Jokic hit two point shots from ten feet out every time he goes down the court, that you know Miami switches and their movement defensively is something to watch. I mean that's uh, that's that's something that I've enjoyed as I've watched the first two games of the series and something that I will continue to enjoy and you know see what happens. And I think also just from a roster perspective, Denver they they better hope that they take the next couple of games. Tyler Hero should be coming back anytime. Okay, Miami took a game in mile high and they didn't even have their best. Should I should I say or is it too much to say their best shooting guard on the roster? I mean, I. Uh, I I I, will, I would like to think that Tyler Hero, when healthy, would be starting, um, or getting significant minutes as the sixth man, and so he should be coming back any time now. Um, but it's it's been a good series, and uh, I I uh, I can't uh, I can't wait to watch Game Three and Game Four. All right, so that has been our NBA Finals. Update so far, yeah, Game 3 will be played on Wednesday, 8.30 p.m. on ABC. Uh, if you're interested in that, should be a very, like I said, it's 1-1, been a fun series so far. Can't wait to see what happens. On to some coaching hires that have taken place in the last week. We've seen two of the three vacancies filled. We'll start first. Monty Williams, this was the big one here. The Detroit Pistons uh, have hired former Suns coach Monty Williams, also former Pelicans coach. Um, it, yeah, he was with the Suns most recently. And they were not messing around. Handed him a uh, six-year contract that was $12 million per year with the potential to be like eight years and $100 million over the lifetime of the contract. Like Detroit, was, we, they're not messing around. Like they want to be legit soon. And I guess that's what, you know, Troy Weaver and, you know, President Ed Stefanski and company, they all just like, you know, and uh, Tom Gore's the ownership group. It's like, we need to make a splash here. And we'll just overpay, ex- like just as overpay as much as you can for a coach and just hope it works out. And again, he'll get the time, six years. I think that kind of, uh, you know, sells us that, hey, we need to give him some time because. We were the wor- we had the least amount of wins last year. We were the worst team record wise last year. We know what it's going to take a long way to rebuild. We did not win the lottery. We got the fifth pick, and you know it's going to be interesting to see what kind of staff. Mon- like I just saw today, Stephen Silas, the former 
Uh, he's the Rockets head coach. He's going to be joining the staff as an assistant coach. Uh, he's known for like player development and defense. Oh, that could you know very well bode uh, for a roster that's you know just desperate to get guys and you know build this team to be contending for the playoffs. And again, it's too early for me to say right here. Oh, they'll be a play-in team next year. They'll be in the playoffs, or you know they're just going to be another terrible year. But again, I'm not. I love the hire. Like you're not messing around. Again, he took over. He's used to take over some very bad situations. Phoenix was not very good when he took over, and it, it shows. Yeah, sure, he had the you know COVID hit, and you know they only they weren't very good record wise uh, that season. But then you know it goes to the NBA Finals in his second year with the, the Suns. Third year again, weird year because of the short off season. Um, but you know, it's actually, it's next year. But again, conference semifinal losses. He did get blown out in game in the final game of the season the last two years. But he has a track record to show he's a great coach. And again, it's gonna be a, like I said earlier. It's gonna be a long process for Detroit to see if they can you know rebuild their days and get back to the pinnacle like they were you know in the late or late eighties, early nineties. Uh, and in the middle of 2000s when they won in 04, and then they made five straight conference finals uh, out in the Eastern Conference. So we'll see what happens there. Uh, Dalton, your thoughts on the Monty Williams hire by the Detroit Pistons? Um, so it's, it's a good hire, I think, um, for a team that has uh, got a bunch of young players. And, you know, I feel like, I feel like they could – they could be good in a couple of years or, you know, even even next season. I mean, when I define good, I mean, I define good as, you know, are you, are you, I guess, like improving, you know, obviously statistically by wins or just by like team chemistry. I mean, just pretty much. You know, it, like those sorts of things, are they taking the step in the right direction uh, and getting back to where they want to be? And so I think Monty could be the right guy for that. Um, they've had high drive picks the past couple of years and some good guards that are like like Kate Cunningham, for example, that, that have been high selections and you know, that are supposed to be these guys who are franchise changers. Um, uh, yeah, so do I think do I think that Monty is going to be able to eventually get them back into the playoffs? Yeah, well, they've got to – I'm sure he can't do it with this roster. I mean, this roster is – this roster is way too damn young. I mean, way too young. Um now you had some free agent acquisitions, some veteran pieces, um, and a couple like a draft or two more. I mean, I yeah, you could do it. I mean, you can definitely do it. It's very possible. Um, the Eastern Conference, especially, especially or uh, uh, towards like the very bottom. I mean, we we could just look at it from this year. This year is like very close. I mean, anything can change. Um, and so it's not completely, it's not completely out of the ability. So, um, uh, Monty's got experience. 
and he'll bring that. And uh, he's proven that he is he's a good coach, uh, and good good to great coaches typically are the ones that make it to the NBA Finals, make it to to the playoffs regularly. Um, so that's uh, you know that's uh, something that we've seen, and I think Detroit saw the same thing, which is why they hired him uh, and gave him uh, the contract numbers that they did because they've seen they've seen it happen uh, time and time again. All right, Christian, your thoughts on the uh, Monty Williams hire by the Pistons? If there was a reach, I feel like this would be like the reach of the offseason. I understand Monty is a very good coach, and I was very disappointed when Phoenix hired or fired him just because, like, he's, you know, he's been a good coach and he has shown, has a track record that he has really pushed his team to, you know, big limits. And, you know, last year it kind of stunk because, okay, Phoenix. Phoenix wants to be new and fresh. So let's trade our Ray bench players to get Kevin Durant, who was kind of in and out with injuries and warmed up, had an injury. So let's get the frail Kevin Durant and have him, Devin and Chris, who's also injury riddled. Let's have them carry our team to the promised land. And I feel like Monty wasn't given a fair chance because the bench was pretty much gone. The, the guy they traded for, they traded the bench for, he's in and out. So why is Monty kind of being the, um, you know, that he's getting destroyed here because of what happened. So I was very much against Phoenix Firearm. But Detroit paying him an average of $13.05 million, that's his contract value, above Greg, above Kerr, Spolstra, and Rick Carlisle, I'm thinking, well, he doesn't have the NBA championships like the three, the first three coaches I mentioned. He has been to one finals, but you know, even though it was six games, they kind of got destroyed in that series. And they really just, you know, they had a six-game series against Denver Nuggets this year. But are we kidding ourselves? You know, Phoenix didn't really have a great shot against one of the better teams in the Denver Nuggets. So Detroit's like, okay, we're going to pay you more than our top players because we really believe that you can turn this team around. I don't think this thing, this team is a playoff team this, uh, this upcoming season after, I don't think it's going to be a, you know, a playoff team next season. I don't know if it's going to be a playoff team the following season, just because a, nobody wants to go to Detroit. Just nobody wants to go there. Detroit has no value whatsoever the last several years. They have just been kind of one of those teams that, you know, they're not good, but they have players that can be role players with a Milwaukee, a Miami, an LA Lakers, you know, a good competitive, you know, a, a contending team. So that's what Detroit has always been, you know, for the last decade, decade and a half. And a half, excuse me. So, in my honest opinion, yes, he's a fine coach. He's a good coach. But you're paying him a lot of money for a team that's pretty much scraps and young guns. So, 
If he can turn it around, I'll be super impressed with him. But you're paying a guy who, A, got the job because of what he did in the bubble, which was very impressive because Phoenix was kind of a last-ditch effort team. And, yes, they didn't make the playoffs in the bubble, but they win like 8-0, 10-0, something like that. Um, they, they only went undefeated in the bubble. So he got his job off, you know, off at that. And then Chris Paul coming, you know, from OKC, realizing like, okay, we can do something here. Devin Booker, who's been in Phoenix pretty much since he's been in the league. And then they just got KD. If he was still in Phoenix, I'm like, okay, he'll, he don't know what to do. But Detroit, you're starting off brand new. This is not a culture of winning. This is not a tough culture where a lot of free agents are like, yes, we want to go to Detroit. You know, though those free agents are going to get are prove-it free agents. You know, Bogdanovich is their uh, one of the top players. He was from Utah. I mean, he was a role player in Utah, and he had to be the guy in Detroit with Cade Cunningham kind of coming up. So maybe with Cade they can do something, but I just – Highly doubt Detroit is going to be turned around in a year, maybe even two, three. They can probably compete in the um, in the play-in, but I just don't see Detroit competing right away. It's a fine hire for the coach they have, but you're paying a lot of money for a guy that over guys who have had the um, experience in the championships to kind of flex how much money they have. But to a guy who has only been to one NBA Finals as a head coach, it kind of just rubs me the wrong way. I think Detroit is just kind of, you know, reaching to get anybody in their building to see if something sparks. All right, on to the next coaching hire of this cycle so far. The Phoenix Suns, Monty Williams' former employer. They've gone out and got former Lakers coach, Frank Vogel, Vogel, obviously ultra successful uh, career, you know, spanning from his time with the Pacers where they made back-to-back conference finals appearances. And again, the Pacers have been such a mediocre franchise. That is actually successful for them as making the conference finals, as is any team really. Um, it, it did sour pretty fast there. Uh, although it is last year, they lost on seven in the first round, but anyway, that soured quickly. It, Seems to be forgotten, but Vogel spent a couple years in Orlando. Where Orlando, that was kind of when they were rebuilding a bit, so not much talent there, not much success there. But he goes to L.A., the Lakers, wins the title in year one, and then kind of flames out uh, near the end. Although, I, I, get, I contend a lot of it was probably roster construction, more so than Vogel. He was kind of scapegoated instead of, you know, Russell Westbrook last year uh, in 21-22 when they went 33 in 49, I think Russell Westbrook is probably more of a factor uh, than that. But, again, it is what it is. And he inherits a Suns team. They also gave him a good contract. A Suns franchise, again, with the finals just two years ago, but they're tired of losing big in the final game of the season for two straight years. And, like I said, when they fired uh, Monty Williams, I think it's just Matt Ishbia, the new owner of the team, just making a new owner move. It's like, hey. We're going to make this my it's my team now, and I'm going to bring a coach in that I want to see help succeed uh, the franchise. They kept Kevin Young, their top assistant coach, gave him the associate tag 
a name that I had heard from various uh, podcasts I listened to, notably Bill Simmons, that Kevin Young was going to be the favorite to land the job. Um, he's, he's staying on board, gave him the highest paid assistant coach in the league with a report at $2 million. Uh, David Fisdell, former Grizzlies and Knicks head coach, along with the assistant coach with uh, the Lakers when Frank Vogel was there, he is coming aboard staff. So they got a good staff so far. Uh, just, you know, bringing in Fisdell, keeping Kevin Young. And again, it's the roster that has Kevin Durant and Devin Booker and DeAndre Ayton for now, at least with the Ayton. I don't know what that, what's going to happen with him. Uh, but you got Durant and Booker. Like, you should be. At the very least, you're a playoff team. Contending for top four. It may make another run for it next year. And again, Vogel, like I said, he was with the Lakers. He managed LeBron and AD and won a title with those two guys. Uh, Grant, the weird circumstances with the bubble, but he still won the title nonetheless. So, obviously, I think Vogel is a missing piece that can help them get over the, get to the next level, get back to the finals, and potentially win again. And how about that for Frank Vogel's legacy? If he can, um, you know, win a title with both Kevin Durant and LeBron James. Sure, I I mean, they're getting two great players. It's not like it takes a lot of ch- – it's a challenging thing to do to win a title with both those guys. Um, but it still will be, you know, yeah, it'd be a fun legacy. It's like, hey, I want to talk with these two guys. With multiple franchises, which has only been done a handful of times, Phil Jackson uh, and um, Pat Riley. And there's one other guy in NBA history – that have won a title with two different franchises. So Frank Vogel looking to join a very exclusive list there. So I I love the hire there. Um, but like I said, Vogel has soured at his last few stops there. So I think at least first year and second year, it should be very successful. But again, Kevin Durant has been through, I saw a stat, four coaches in the, the last calendar year because he was with Brooklyn. They had Steve Dash, fired him, got Jock Vaughn. Then he had Bonnie Williams. Now he's got Frank Vogel. Again, I think it's purely coincidence because he got traded. Um, they went through three coaches last year, now a fourth one. I don't think he's the coach killer. Um, again, great hire. Next year should be very good for the Phoenix Suns. I think they'll be very successful. Um, again, I don't know if he will, he'll win a championship with them necessarily, but again, at least the first year or two. Um, in Phoenix, it should be very fun and very competitive, and it'll be interesting to see how they shore the roster out there. Uh, to Dolan, we go. Your thoughts on the Frank Vogel going to the Phoenix Suns? Uh, yeah, it's a bit. But I think that I, I definitely agree with you that they'll be a playoff team, but they don't. But they don't. They they like have no bench. Like I I I like I said this when they made the Kevin Durant trade. They have no bench. So unless Frank Vogel can magically can do like some Harry Potter stuff and bazoo, like some get a bench, like get there and you know just put a bench uh, and get some players. I don't foresee the Phoenix Suns getting uh, far into the playoffs. Uh, with the current roster that they have, okay, they've got to make roster improvements, not just coach. It's kind of the same thing with the Monty Williams thing. Um, it's just you know, I, I, I just, I just, I just think that if Phoenix wants to go far, they can't rely on those. Let's say 
three guys for now because we're not sure what DeAndre Ayton's going to do or where he's going to be playing. So, you know, let's just let's just say for Booker and Chris Paul, just those three guys. Okay, I mean, we're gonna we're gonna think that they can go far in the playoffs, assuming that they're gonna be able be able to make the playoffs, and Durant's gonna be able to will his way. Devin Booker is gonna be able to play all the games, most of the games. I mean, look. I mean, you gotta get more players. There's just, it, there's, I, a, a big chance that they go out into this free agency and they sign a bunch of players because they need a bench. They need a bench and they need one big time because they don't have one. They're not gonna have one next season. They're gonna be in the same spot that they were last season with a different coach. And guess whose fault it's gonna be? You know, nobody's gonna point the finger. Nobody's gonna say anything. But we all know what's going on. Okay, if you get in the same spot as you did this past season in the postseason, and you lose, guess what? I'm going to be pointing the finger at back at the guy who fired the coach and brought in a new guy just so that you can have the same result. I didn't say it, although I just did. So that's we can, – we can, we can step – you know, put it on the wall uh, for next postseason, and I'll come back to it if it happens. But and I think – you know, Frank Vogel did actually win a championship, and that's something that, you know, can, you can't take away from him. So it's, you know, he's got that pedigree. Um, and, you know, will he be able to put Phoenix over the top? That's the ultimate question because over the course of their history, we haven't seen it happen with plenty of coaches. We, we just haven't seen it happen. Um, and they've had some pretty good players over the over the course of their history. So, um but you know, if you're if you're a Phoenix fan, I mean, you got to be feeling at least content about the move, um, and you know, I guess have uh, have some hopes going into the season, uh, just to make sure that you know, just just make sure that you don't make the wrong moves, because um, we've seen in the past uh, with. You know, like Dallas trading for Kyrie, uh, you know, and basically giving them the house. Uh, that you know, they, they there can be some bad moves, and which can come back to really, really bite you in in the butt. So, um, yeah, we'll see, we'll see. All right, Christian, your thoughts on the Frank Vogel hire by the Phoenix Suns? Frank is, like, the luckiest dude, I think, in the NBA history. Just because, like, <laughs> he was able to work with LeBron James and Anthony Davis, who LeBron is, you know, of course everyone wants to argue, is he the GOAT, is he second, is he third, whatever. He's a top – he's one of the greatest NBA players to ever play the game. And you won a championship with him as his head coach, that's pretty daggum good. And you work with the Los Angeles Lakers. Now you have – now you work with – Probably his second – it's probably one of his bigger rivals that LeBron has had over his career that matches up with Steph Curry in terms of, like, his rival. But, you know, Kevin Durant is still one of the most phenomenal players in the NBA when fully healthy. A still young Devin Booker, I think he's only 30, 31, 
he still has a lot left in the tank, and he's still a very good player in his prom. And then, of course, DeAndre Ayton, you know, another young gun who I don't think has unlocked his potential just yet, but maybe Bogle can help him with that because he's worked with a guy like AD. Uh, Chris Paul, I think he's close to being either retired or he's just going to get traded. You know, he has a terrible contract. He's going to get traded to, like, a Detroit, you know, or Indiana. Like, yeah, you know, we've got some pieces. You're just too old for us right now. So, I think Vogel will make the moves necessary. Uh, when we're looking at the team right now, yes, they do not have a bench, but they are going to scout, um, you know, they're going to scout the NBA draft this year, however many picks they have, and try and get some guys in from there. They're going to look at free agency. I don't know if they're going to have any big signings because they have your three-headed monster with KD, uh, Devin, and DeAndre. So, I think they have our guys. They just need those role players. They need that bench. So, you know, they could look in Miami. They could look in Denver and, like, who are role players there that they could add to Phoenix. And I think Phoenix could be a, you know, a contender this year again with, of course, the Lakers, like everyone predicts. Uh, Denver, obviously, in the West. You know, what happens with Memphis and the whole John Morant situation? Um, Does Minnesota improve? What happens to the Clippers? Can there be, you know, another rise in Sacramento? What happens with Golden State? You know, they're going to be in that mix of being one of the top contenders, just having the three-headed monster alone. And when they get guys in, they're going to do just fine. So we'll see how everything plays out. But right now, I think Vogel is a fine coach. Um, Has never been praised to be, you know, a tremendous coach. Of course, the NBA championship, the Lakers – uh, like bolts him up a little bit more, but you know, I still, I would still take Monty Williams over Frank Vogel, but I think I'm more fine with the Vogel in Phoenix more than Monty in Detroit, just because, okay, Frank has an actual roster. He's got pieces that he can make something work in Phoenix where Monty, Monty goes to Detroit and he has these little, mini Legos that are kind of half broken. So it's like, eh, what do you, what can you do there? So I think Vogel's in a much better spot than Monty is in Detroit, even though I think Monty is a better coach than Frank, but I still, I still think Frank is going to do just fine. Um, and he's going to make hopefully a better team out of Phoenix and try and get them into the NBA finals once again, and actually win this time. All right, and again, the only other head coach vacancy right now is the Toronto Raptors, and I, I wonder if they're waiting for the finals to end and then poach one of like the assistant coaches on Detroit, or not Detroit, Denver, or Miami, like, you know, Chris Quinn, potentially. So we'll see uh, if that's the case when the finals is. But, yeah, the Raptors, the only vacancy at the moment here. Uh, quickly, the NHL, the Stanley Cup Finals, is going on the Golden Knights and the Panthers. Um, game one went to Vegas. Vegas took that game five to two. And again, we're recording right now during game two. By the time this is out, game two will probably have been finished. Uh, but it's the first intermission, and Vegas is up two nothing, looking to go up two zero, taking both games at home before the series shifts to uh, Sunrise, Florida, on uh, Thursday for game three. 
uh, that you can catch that series and you, uh, the uh, the Turner Sports Stations, TNT, TBS, True TV, etc. Um, that's where you can catch the Stanley Cup Finals. Um, again, it's been a fun series. I guess again, just still early. Aiden Hill for the uh, Vegas Golden Knights, their goalie, he has just lights out this series so far uh, through one of the third games. So again, next week we'll see if the series is over. We'll recap. I'll recap it at least. Um, along with whatever else is going on in the hockey world, there. Uh, I know we didn't get to do it last week, and really, we're it's been a couple weeks because of uh, some scheduling conflicts. But Dalton, the return of racing with Dalton. So take it away, man. Yeah, thanks, Spence. Because I know everyone that's listening to this pod has was was patiently waiting. Because this, this is your favorite segment. Uh, it is. Uh, all right, well, let's uh, let's see what we got here. I think I'm going to start with F1. The most in all of the entire sports world. Um, I think uh, it's also the type of sport that, that really, uh, you know, uh, takes you if you're an early riser. Um, so let's, uh, dive into it, shall we? We, we shall actually, um, really great. As you can see, my preparation is nothing short of perfect as I am going into the ESPN website currently at the, as we speak, uh, so I can be correct uh in what i say yes formula one it has been it has been a couple weeks spencer you are you are correct in saying that and i am also correct in saying that my sucks so uh oh there we go there it is we're in there and uh Cool. All right. Um, so, last time we talked, or I guess last time I talked, because this is a, this is just me giving information to you. Um, we were we for the Qatar Grand Prix, which ended up getting canceled. Uh, I know, such a bummer because nobody was gonna watch that, but. You know, it, it it happened. It was it was uh it was gonna be it was gonna be in Italy. Uh, it was uh, Qatar Airways, Emilia, uh, uh, and in Rome actually. Um, but you know, it got canceled, and you know that stinks. But of course, like like the sport that we are talking about, we we keep it moving. We keep it moving. Pedal to the metal. You know what I mean. Uh, yeah, you do. Um, the next Grand Prix, uh, which I think was the very, the, the very next weekend, uh, <laughs> was the Monaco Grand Prix, which is, which is my personal favorite. I think I would love to go to Monaco and watch that race whenever I have the money to, uh, of course in Monte Carlo, um, very historic race 
I think you can't talk about F1, Formula One, and, and, and like its history without talking about the Monaco Grand Prix and just the aura that it has. Um, and no surprise here, Max Verstappen won another race. So good for him. Uh, he is just completely dominating the sport. Uh, he won in a rainstorm at Monaco, which, if you don't know, racing in the elements is hard to do. Um, and so that's your tidbit of the evening. So if you ever want to race in the elements, like rain, like rain and all that sorts of things, it's tough. I mean, just use common sense and think about you being on the highway going 70 miles per hour in torrential downpour. And think how tough that is. But just times it by like five to where they're going like 200 miles in a rainstorm. 200 miles per hour, excuse me, in a rainstorm. So that's that's the that's the type of difficulty uh, that's, uh, you know, that, that we're talking about here. So kudos, kudos to them for having a good clean race and, you know, Max getting the win there. Moving on. Uh, to the next race after that, uh, which was the uh, Spanish Grand Prix, uh, actually last week um, in Spain, Barcelona to be exact, uh, in which Max Verstappen won again. Yes. Did I tell you that it was predictable? I did. I did. I did. Um, yeah, extremely predictable. I think, you know, with this sport, it's all about it's all about who your constructor is. Like, not only are you a good racer, like a good, like a good, a good driver, but your team, it, like, is your team good? Do you have a good team? Because listen, I've heard this, I've heard this multiple times. Uh, let's see, like, I mean, from the TV media, like all sorts of things. I mean, you could, you could be great, but on a be like on a bad team, and people think that you're bad. I mean, this is this is kind of how F one is, and kind of how sport is in general. Uh, when you're looking at the sort of things, and Max Verstappen and the Red Bull team, they're just like two peas in a pod. Like they're uh, just terrific together. Uh, always, always winning everything. Um, a really, really good duo. Um, and that's nothing to take away from his teammate, Max's teammate, Sergio Perez, uh, from the season that he's having. But Max has taken off to another level. And so we can't discount uh, the sort of dominance that is happening um, in in the sport right now. The next race we have uh, is going to be actually on, um, which is going to be the Canada Grand Prix. Um, that race specifically will be in Montreal uh, with 68 laps, uh, 14 turns. Um, not as many as I thought, but um, I guess that could be a good thing. Um that being said, I do believe that Max Verstappen is going to win this race. Why do I think Max Verstappen is going to win this race? Um, precedence. <laughs> Literally, that's it. 
Max Verstappen won the first race, the third race, the fifth race, canceled, and then he's gone back to back. So um, Max Verstappen has uh, about five wins, um, and he's five wins this season, and we just started. Uh, we've one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. So the only two people. I guess uh, the only two winners this season out of the seven races was Verstappen's teammate, Sergio Perez. If you can just think about that for a moment, that's far and away. I keep saying dominance, but that might be a good enough word to describe what is happening this season thus far. And so, but. Try to go to the standings for you just real quick. Um, and you know, we'll see we'll see how wide the margin is now. Um Max Verstappen is leading, he's got a hundred and seventy points. Sergio Perez, his teammate, is in second with 117. Um that's all you need to know for the driver standings. That's that's pretty much it. And then Red Bull is going just absolutely killing it. Um 287 points um, through, uh, you know, not even half the season. Um, and then Mercedes and then second uh, with 152. So the margin is very wide. And I think it's just going to get even wider after uh, the next race is over with. Um, moving on to a... Um, sport and uh, in the racing sector that might be a little bit more uh on uh i guess a little bit more uh what's the word i'm looking for i guess you know it's got some it's got some parody you know there's a new winner every week and that is the nascar cup series yes and boy do i have so much to tell you about that. Um, so, I think the last time we were talking, uh, it was about Darlington, uh, right before the All Star Race, um, in which that was at North Wilkesboro Speedway, which is very historic. Um, people that you know, I um. Talk to really huge, huge racing fans, even more than me. Um, I have just nothing but great things to talk about North Wilkesboro. Um, but yeah, that was just kind of like the equivalent of like the All Star break sort of thing. Uh, so we're just gonna move past that. The race right after those uh, was the Charlotte Motor Speedway. Um, which that result uh, was was interesting to say the least. Four hundred laps, and uh, you know these are the, these are the guys that came in came in one to five. Uh, of course, you got uh, Blaney uh, won this race. Um, he led actually the most laps with one hundred sixty three, uh, and kind of just kind of took off. Uh, Will Byron uh, came in second. Martin Truex in third. Bubba Wallace in fourth. Um, and Tyler Reddick in fifth. Um, what really sticks out to me is there were three Toyotas in 
the top five, um, which I think um, interesting weekend uh, for uh, manufacturer just in general. Um, Toyota being able to really dominate the field almost. Um, and then my personal favorite, Kyle Busch, came in sixth uh, in the Chevrolet number eight. And that's how that went. Um, moving on to the next race after that, uh, which was the um, NASCAR Cup Series at Worldwide Technology Raceway. Um, sick. Really sick. Actually, it was very caution-filled. Um, and which I think that's fine, but... You know, that's typically how some of these races are. Um, there's just a crap ton of cautions. And if you don't know what a caution is, it's like, oh, there's been a wreck on the track. Well, now we have to go yellow. Or basically just, you know, take a take a couple slow laps so that the people can go out there and make sure that A, the driver is okay, B, see if the car is drivable, and C, clean up any debris or anything or any parts of the car that might be on the track uh, and could potentially um, uh, just violate the whole definition of the word egress. Um, so, yeah, that's pretty much what caution means. Oh, my God, they just scored another goal. Um, and so... Yeah, this race at Gateway Motorsport at uh, the the Worldwide Technology Raceway in Madison, Illinois. Um, actually, just east of St. Louis, Missouri, uh, which you know has got a capacity of about seventy eight thousand people. Um, definitely, definitely was a good race. Um, only only two hundred forty three laps, so not as many as um, the uh, the race at Charlotte. But Kyle Busch did end up winning this race. He led the most with 121 laps, and he actually started in first. So he started the race in first, ended in first. Uh, Denny Hamlin came in second. Joey Logano in third. Kyle Larson in fourth. Martin Truex in fifth. Um, so I think one thing that sticks out to me immediately, um, Joey Logano was this past season's winner of the Cup Series. Uh, was able to get back into the top five after a couple weeks of not being able uh, to do so. So maybe he can <clears throat> keep the momentum going into the next race and the next race after that um, as he tries to basically defend his title. Uh, to we're gonna, I'm going to sh- tell you about the next race coming up, and then after that, we will get into the standings and then I will stop talking. Um, <clears throat> so the next race coming up, we have the race, uh, NASCAR cup series at Sonoma, which is going to be on June 11th at three thirty Eastern, uh, on Fox, not FS one, but Fox, because there's, there are two different channels. Um, yeah, if you're not working on a Sunday afternoon, why not watch it? Just these cars, stock cars go round and round and round. Should be fun. Um, at least for the guy who does the segment on this podcast. 
yeah, man, I can't wait to watch it if I'm free, um, which I should be. Uh, that is going to be in California, so Sonoma, California, which I'm sure you guys already knew that, but, you know, I'm going to say it anyway because this is my segment, and I can say whatever the hell I want. Um, But, yeah, dude, Sonoma Raceway, let's go, man. Can't wait to watch it. It's going to be sick. It's going to be really cool, super cool. Um, But, yeah, man, we're going to go to the standings, and then I'm going to give it back to Spence. Uh, give what back to Spence? Uh, I don't know. I guess the, you know, like the imaginary Mike that just, you just hand it right back to him and he can finish this puppy off. Uh, but, you know, the cup standing so far, we're just going to do it based off of uh, points. Points here. Uh, keep it simple. Uh, and so Ryan Blaney is leading all drivers with 495 points. Uh, Will Byron uh, is in second with 482 points. Kevin Harvick in his last season as a NASCAR Cup Series driver is in third with 473. Martin Truex in fourth with 472. Ross Chastain, the watermelon man, in fifth with 466. Other notables... Uh, Kyle Busch with 451 is in seventh, tied with Denny Hamlin, who also has 451. Um, and something that you also need to remember, the top 16 drivers are, are the ones who make the playoffs. So that's something to keep in mind as we go through the season and get closer to playoff time. You know, if you have a driver that's in the top 16, when playoffs comes around, you – uh, should be sitting pretty good and uh, should be having a good rest of the NASCAR season, at least from a fan perspective. Um, really good stuff. So that's all I got. My voice is not doing well, and I don't know why. Allow me to get some water real quick. I feel so much better. Um Yes, Spence, you can take over now because I'm done. So, back to you, buddy. All right. Thank you, Dalton, for that segment. Very exciting stuff in there, as always. Glad to have you back this week, and hopefully we can keep this going for the next few weeks until the season ends. Um, so, that, this has been Out of Bounds for this week. Thanks again for listening. Uh, we'll be back next week sometime, hopefully depending on schedules to, you know, maybe recap the NBA finals, maybe recap the Stanley cup finals, or maybe this series still going on. And we'll be talking about what's transpired in both series over the past few, uh, past week or so, depending on when we decide to record again, uh, Stanley cup, I said Stanley cup Raptors. Will they hire a head coach? We'll see with that. Um, and whatever else is going on in the sports world, NFL, uh, MLB, if any hard breaking news, uh transpires with that so again if you made this far please give us a follow on whatever podcasting platform you are listening to us on feedback always encouraged um and again feel free to share with friends and family and this has been out of bounds as always i am spencer brown i'm dalton bishop and i'm christian nurse so thanks again for listening enjoy the rest of your day